we got a message this morning that we're like, we have to share with y'all. <laughs> this is why we're doing this training. Someone said. And then this is at 6 a.m. Eastern. I did look them up to see that they're on the East Coast. So they were thinking about this very early. I transitioned from a solo practice to a group practice in 2019. And I think I made a mistake. I have nine part-time clinicians and an assistant, and we're always full. I'm exhausted keeping up with all the business stuff. And I really like to see clients, which I have to sacrifice in order to keep up with COVID regulations, the good faith estimate, negotiating office space, or figuring out how to play unemployment in multiple states because I live very close to two other states or the myriad of other boring and time-consuming administrative things. In 2019, I kept thinking that as soon as I got all my systems up and running and having a group practice, it would be less stressful than COVID and 2020 brought on a whole new set of stressors. How much time should I give it before making the decision to either scale back or go back to solo practice? This is why we're here today yes. is to really help inform and give you the information you need to go in in a way and create a model that's actually works for you in particular. If you've never been to one of our trainings before, welcome. This is going to be an interactive experience. We have been coaching collectively for over 20 years. We've been together for 11. We've been doing business school for nine. We are obsessed with helping therapists like you, uh, to really build a business that brings them a good life as well. We don't, we believe in a holistic approach to our coaching. Um, I'm Kelly Higdon. And I'm Miranda Palmer. And if you're here today, you're meant to be, right? We know you don't take trainings willy nilly. You don't have time for that. Everybody's overworked right now. You want to help your community in a way that you can't on your own, right? You want to make a great income for you and your family. You want to be an amazing place to work with a sustainable income for your employees. And you wanna do all of this without working 24 seven, burning out or being stuck and mired down in the boring, miserable stuff. But everywhere you look, you see group practice owners who are overworked, underpaid and burning out. So this is our plan today. We're gonna to do about 40 minutes of training roughly. Sometimes we go a little over, we'll have 20 minutes of options if you need more support, and then 30 minutes of Q&A and then our giveaway at the end. Why 40 minutes of training when this is planned for 90? Um, this is about how much your brain can take in to make a plan of action. We wanna make sure you leave here with some things to do, that you know, that you take some golden nuggets and that you have some things, a plan of action basically. Um, and no magical 90 minute training is going to absolve all the issues in your practice. Uh, and we want you to have a practice with a waiting list, a business you can walk away from at the end of the day without stress and that you love. So we're going to finish up with 30 minutes of Q and a giveaways as well. Um, so yeah, here we go. So let's hear from you. Are you ready to find ease and sustainability in your group practice this year? Right. And of course, and we're going to be giving away a $50 Etsy gift card. Uh, we do Amazon, but we're done with Amazon and a free lifetime entry to the business school for therapists into the group practice yeah, track, which is that. super awesome. So here's the truth. There is more people that need us than you and your staff could ever serve. The demand is really overwhelming. And when you've built and invested so much in creating your practice, it just, you've created this foundation, the marketing, the SEO, the referral base, 
you want to create something sustainable that goes beyond what you can provide. And group practice is the answer for a lot of you. It seems like the simple, easy answer, hire another person, give them your overflow. They'll make money. You'll make money. Everyone will be happy. But then at some point you realize you are actually working more uh, than you were as a solo practice owner, and you're making less per hour because of that. Um, in fact, you might be make just getting less money overall. Um, but if you're a leader uh, in our community, you're probably wanting to provide more for your employees, but also more for yourself, yet the numbers don't add up. So how did things get so off? And this is something that we really uh, have seen a lot in our business school members. What works with one employee doesn't work with five, and what works with five doesn't often work for, with 15. It's hard. People don't have the things to scale. Yeah. And for many of you, it wasn't working with one. Right. <laughs> Maybe you think or thought it wasn't working because there's only one of you. You figured, of course, if I just add more people, it'll be better. The profit margins are slim, but you know, here we go. As we have more people, we'll have more slim profit margins, not realizing that the profit margin actually is going down um, with, as you hire more people and maybe even it's non-existent. <clears throat> so we want to talk about Alex. Alex had worked with another group practice. They decided to go out on their own. They want to create an amazing place to work that really served the community. And they did. The problem was they were literally paying people to work for them. Like, what does that mean as an employer when I say that? Because that seems that, like, of course, they're paying people to work for them. What I mean was that they held a full, full caseload and their numbers were such that they were making less profit with five employees than they would have if they had just been seeing their clients. But they were working twice as many hours and they had 10 times as much stress. Why? Because they hadn't ever really looked deeply at the numbers. They felt like they're doing something wrong, but they kept thinking that it was that they need to work harder and they need to hire more people. When in reality, the model they were using was flawed at its core. The more they expanded, the worse things were going to get. They realized they were only taking home $20,000 a year Ike. with a full caseload of clients and five employees. Does anyone relate? Duh. This is why you need to have a sustainable, scalable model. So how do you do that? What does that even mean? That sounds really nice. <laughs> Look, you first have to ditch the comparison. Your group practice. Oh my gosh. Someone said, I'm writing out paychecks right now. I can relate. <laughs> yes. You have to ditch comparison first. So if you're a group practice owner, your group practice is going to look different than other people's group practice, right? Because each of you here has a completely different financial situation and needs in your group practice. Some of you may be single, married, have kids, don't have kids, loans, chronic illness, nearing retirement, Im different immigration statuses, different abilities, neurodiverse neurodivergences. There's so much to consider here. And your needs based needs change based on the cost of rent in your area, your specialty, and so much more, right? But the work that you do is priceless right? You teach your clients to value themselves. It's time we start valuing the work you do and the work that you're having your clinicians do as well. And I think that that piece of it is really deep emotional work and connection that we're making. And there's only so much that we each have to kind of give out into the world and understanding that and understanding that that 
is what creates these magic moments with clients. Yeah. I mean, how many of you got into this work because you wanted magic moments with unemployment forms, <laughs> right? Like you got into this work because you wanted magic moments with clients. And maybe there are times with like a supervisee or with your employee, like you get to hear the magic moment, like as a trainer, as a teacher, like a faculty in the past and as a supervisor in the past, like I can experience the magic yeah. through my client, through my, my employees or my supervisees. But if I'm mired down in the other stuff, like yeah. it doesn't feel good. So this is the deal. It's like your needs really matter. Mm-hmm. What do you need in the life that you currently live? Right. What do you need to be able to do this work well and to really have the attunement required? You don't need to be working 24 seven. You don't need to be in a place where you have to go through fast food or DoorDash or, you know, or skip meals or live on protein shakes in order to be like fully present with your clients or your employees. You need to have a life where you can have some time to move, to rest, to meditate, to whatever else that you need in life. Mm-hmm. Right. And with that thoughtful, without this like thoughtful, sustainable plan, without a fee that really works for you and for your employees, like it's, that's not possible. I think too, we need to accept what you and your staff need personally. You want to provide a living wage for your staff. You want them to have a good life as well. It's sort of like the therapeutic relationship. We want to emulate health and wellness. We want the same as leaders to be doing that for ourselves and holding that standard for our staff. And then you also want to look at what they need clinically and what you need clinically. And this may have changed y'all what you needed, you know, five years ago, three (laughs) years ago is different because the capacities of everybody have changed. You're going to probably, I've seen this a lot, group practice owners, their clinicians, their capacities have changed, or maybe who you were working with is now more draining and less energizing. There's time. It's time to reevaluate here and say, Hey, has something shifted in my life and in the lives of my staff that I need to adjust here? And I think, you know, we, we had a deep conversation. We did a, like a podcast training with Maureen um, Warbuck on the group practice exchange sharing. There's this big piece where group practice owners are trying to like, let's do a fun day or a team training and not looking at the fact that like their, their clinicians suddenly like they said that they wanted to have 20 sessions a week, but they felt this obligation. Now they're working 30 sessions a week and they're feeling numb and they can see it. And they think that like a bowling day is going to fix that when it's like, no, what, what really needs to happen? How can I support this person in the, in the boundary setting and kind of going back. And that can be kind of tough as the person, because you're looking at it going, that means a cut in income for me and for them. And it's not always money. That's the solution either. Sometimes it is the number of cases and the type of cases and all of this planning has a clinical impact. We, we don't want to skim over that part that what you do in your business plan is impacting the clinical relationship, whether you have a caseload or your staff have a caseload. So be aware, like if there's resentment, if there's fatigue, if there's burnout, that is going to show up in the therapeutic room. Mm-hmm. We would like to think it doesn't, but we all know that it does. And I mean, those are things like some suddenly people are having lots of reschedule, reschedules and cancellations. Yes. So then they're overscheduling, taking on more clients, which is then it just starts to cycle out. Right. So 
you know, all of this might make making sense. I can't quite see the chat from here because, you know, I'm, I have old eyes. I can. Kelly it's can. Sense to me. <laughs> um, I have my glasses. But we wanted to talk about and, and start right off the bat with an example of like, what does this really mean in practice? So let's hear from the Harpers. Hi, everybody. We are Shaman and Yolanda Harper. We are the co-founders of Harper Therapy in the Tampa Bay area. Yep. We are a trauma-focused practice, and currently we have eight team members. Right. Um, so a majority of us are clinicians. We have a couple of admin and <laughs> client care coordinator. And as um, I was shifting from solo practice to, as we were considering group practice, yeah. we kind of ran the gamut. We started as a 1099. Right. We started hiring at 1099 at the beginning because that was the path of least That's how everybody does it, right? Yeah. You know? And then <clears throat> over time, we shifted to W-2, right. paying out hourly. Right. And more recently, we have really taken the plunge and we hire now as a W-2 salary position. Right. Four day work week. Four day work week. With benefits like health care, paid time off, um, education, education stipend, right. and retirement. Right. Because we wanted to create something here where we're taking exceptionally good care of our clients, but also good care of our team members. Right. It's it's a it's a bit of a trick to get there. Um, it takes a little bit of money in the bank. Um, so because you're gonna have some ups and downs as you're kind of working your way there, but and you got to have a really good understanding of your numbers. You yeah. know, you, you really need to model out your business, including like where you're currently at, where your growth is projecting to be. Um, and be a little conservative in that because it's so easy for like business owners to, you know, like get the most optimistic growth. Right. right? right. So be a little conservative in that. And, and then when you're building that out and modeling it out, make sure you're, you're putting money back into the business as well. You're accounting for that. Mm -hmm. And as you get there, it, it really starts to kind of float itself and mm -hmm. it works really well. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it seems to be really honoring to our team. They really mm -hmm. seem to enjoy it. Um, yeah. So take your vision for your practice, kind of think outside of the box about how to get right. there. I think that's our biggest thing is we really push ourselves to think outside the box. And with today's job environment, you really have to be competitive. So now's right. the time to do it. Right. We wanted to be at a place where we were offering things that other people weren't. And that's what brings in the best people. Thanks, guys. <laughs> I love it. So as you listen to the Harpers, what's your takeaway? They talk about financial modeling, the process that they went from having contractors to employees to now salary, how they had to have some money in the bank for that growth to be effective. I remember when they were going through it and it was they they really had the very, very intentional and wanted to still be conservative enough to not risk, you know, their livelihood and understanding the numbers that optimism versus conservative yeah. kind of approach and how <clears throat> to reinvest those profits. Yeah. So this is, oops, sorry. So share in the chat, what is the impact on your life and business? If you honor the needs of you and your staff, both, both of them, that they're making a profit through this whole process. They are not taking out crazy amounts of loans. Right. They're not putting themselves in a position where they're putting their staff first and now they're feeling the squeeze. They're making sure that everybody's taken care of at the same time. Retention. Right? It yes. changes, it changes like stability. Uh, Nakia 
posted that to us. The rest of you didn't see it, but it changes the stability, um, more balanced life, overall wellness, happier, less stress. Yes. Yeah. Wellness for everybody, abundance and stability. And that's what we want yeah. to really talk about today too. This is great. And this is that lesson number two, everything translates into numbers, y'all. Everything translates into numbers, right? And we're not just talking about money numbers. We're also talking about time numbers. How many of you did all the math on the money or you thought you did at the very least you thought you did, but your time numbers were like significantly off with, you know, payroll and all the other pieces. Cause you right? don't know, you don't know. You don't know. You get in there. Yeah. Your beautiful vision is something that we need to start seeing the financial app impact for sure, but also creating time. Right. And that's, what's going to support that beautiful vision. The problem is we didn't learn business in grad school. The focus was on clinical impact and we were advised to do things that didn't make good business sense. And they did not want to teach us about return on investment. I mean, that's how we ended up with student loans <laughs> <laughs> that were like, you know, in some cases, a hundred thousand dollars while people are going out and being encouraged to take a $40,000 job. Like that doesn't make sense. Yeah. The pro second problem, math was not part of our programs. Statistics didn't pre prepare us for financial modeling and business, right? And some of us actually chose psychology to avoid math. There's a lot of therapists who are like, no, 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 that's why I took psychology. And also group modeling is complex math, y'all. If you're like, I don't understand why I can't figure this out, it's complex. And that's one of the reasons why I want to dive into that today. And this ends up impacting us as a whole. We have owners who are overworked and underpaid. And I'm seeing in the chat, it's breaking my heart as y'all are posting that you're not getting paid and that you prioritize your staff over yourselves. Staff are overworked and often underpaid or they're signing contracts that they don't understand that are really not enforceable by law. We see this a lot. Insurance companies taking advantage of many therapists and there's a lot of financial insecurity. But we probably all could use a crash course in group practice business math. Yes. Could you do that? <laughs> We're going to look at some numbers that we recommend every group practice learn and track and learn how they impact you. Some of these numbers will be tied directly into your bottom line and others are directly tied into the impact and quality of your life and how hard you're working, your time and energy. So it's not all money. It is about health and wellness and all of that. So let's talk about W2 versus 1099. We could talk about this for hours. This and could we be a have, whole training. This is it a is whole training in business, business school. But understanding hiring someone as a 1099 means you're bringing in another business owner into your business. They have their own business processes, plans, or they should. And the odds of that person sticking around long-term are really low. So creating a financial model around attracting and retaining business owners is going to be really difficult and we don't recommend it. And if the relationship is ongoing and the service, and that's like the main service you're providing again and again, as these relationships are challenged of 1099, courts are saying, actually, that's not really a contractor relationship. That yeah. is an ongoing employee relationship. 
And so a lot of group practice owners are opening themselves up to a lot of risk and liability by hiring 1099s. So we really recommend that you model out a a W-2 employee model. Can I just reference the Harper story? They start with 1099. Why do people start there? Because for the owner, it's a little less risk. It's a little less cost up front in thought. But then they start realizing their retention of the clinicians was not great until they moved to the W-2s. So what seemed like less risk actually brought more risk because they Mm -hmm. had more turnover. They can't control the schedules. They can't control the care. They cannot provide uh, like feedback. And yes, in California, you can't do 1099 anymore, but other states you can. And And some still great. Well, this is the part in other states, quote unquote, you can. But if you look at the federal regulations, it's not going to fly for long, y'all. Even if you think that you can, if you start going in and talking to multiple businesses, yeah. what you're going to find is this is this is not for long in this world. Yeah. Right. So then we have the fee split versus hourly rage. Like, how do you pay your clinicians the model that you choose? There's a big psychological impact in here as well as a financial impact. And this is a lot of times people are like, well, I'm just going to give somebody a percentage, right? I'll give them my employee 50% of what we, what we bring in or 60 or 70 or 80 or 90%. And we have watched this for years. There is no percentage split that we've ever found that the employee doesn't feel like they're giving you their money. Yeah. Explain that a little bit more. To right. People. So this idea we've watched people say, you know what? I have this group. I, I work for this group practice and I'm only getting 90% of my, and we're like, how is that group owner profit? Yes. We know that like, I'm only getting 90% of what I bring in. I'd like the other 10%. Um, but you know, and this group practice owner takes care of all of the administration, my rent, all the other pieces. And we're looking at it going, there's no way you could do that for 10% of your, um, of this, of this scenario. And so it's this versus if you look at someone coming in from an agency where they've been making $30 an hour, for example, and they come in and they're making $60 an hour, then they go, Oh my gosh, I'm making double what I used to make. That feels really good. And it also gives them a sense of like security. It's something that they understand. They know how much they're making per hour versus this percentage. They start looking at the amount that's coming in and then dividing that by half or dividing that by 70%. So they always start with the number that they're bringing in and then they take it away. And again, that's why they feel like they're paying you instead of this is your money and you're paying it to them. So this is why I highly, highly recommend an hourly wage. With pay scales. Yes. Not just, I'm going to randomly pick this number, but giving people a scale so that they can see how things progress. Even 50-50, it is hard to be profitable after taxes and expenses. The margins are so slim. Um, and we have a calculator in business school that goes through this in detail mm-hmm. because so often when we're thinking in splits, we think that, oh, well, then I have, I'm making this, but then we take expenses and taxes out of it and 
and you're left with so very little. And then we're, we want to give people vacation and sick time and, and then health expenses go up and 401k. <laughs> and you're like, you just keep taking They're that, somewhere. that profit margin down and it's not a sustainable you're um, not process. Giving yourself room for that growth and ability yeah. to serve abundantly to your staff. And that's that whole modeling. And we'll, we're going to talk about this later. And, and one of our, uh, one of our people made a video sharing how she does her modeling, um, about looking at that big model. Like, let's get a sense of what that means to take care of um, a salaried employee or to take care of somebody with the insurance from the very beginning, instead of creating something and then realizing, oh, I don't have room to do that. Like, yeah. there's no room for me to move. Then right? we have onboarding costs. This is something many people glaze over, especially when it comes to starting and they hire their first person. They're not really realizing how much money they need a little bit to hedge to get yeah. started. So you have hours of your time to train and bring people into your processes. You're going to be paying those people for training. So it's not fee for service exchange. Like they're not seeing clients yet and you have to pay them for the time worked. You hear that pay them for time worked always. And what costs are you absorbing with each new hire? For example, with your EHR, maybe a voice line, things like that, or bringing in your lap, another laptop, yeah. you know, there's expenses here that we don't want to glaze over. So be sure that you're aware of your onboarding costs. And I think too, if you are an insurance base or even a hybrid based practice, even if you start them out the gate with the, um, and again, that also you'll have credentialing costs and like all of that time. But if you start them out the gate, seeing clients, you may not see the reimbursements for 30, 45, 60 days, right? So there's this place that you're having to hold in the interim. There's also this idea of like, what is the break-even point? And I've, you know, we coach group practice owners day in and day out. And when we ask these questions, how many weeks to break even from your onboarding costs and how many hours per week to break even ongoing? If they haven't done the financial modeling, if they haven't gone through our, um, our Excel that we give them, they don't know the answer to that. And so it can be really, um, it can be a really scary thing. And this is where even the person that sent in the question um, this morning, and they said, I have nine part-time employees. A lot of people that do the financial modeling find out like, oh, based on just like the solid cost of bringing this person on, I don't actually start to make profit unless they're seeing a minimum of five people, 10 yeah. people. Yeah. And it's different for every person. Yes. And if you're an insurance-based practice, that number of what the minimum is going to be is going to be much higher. Yes. Right. So then there's a profit margin per clinician. After all the expenses, how much profit are you making per clinician? This is something you should know as a group practice owner, mm -hmm. what your profit margins are. And I think this is the piece too. And this is what helps you to understand like, okay, if I was to hire, if I was to invest in hiring three new clinicians, what does that mean on a monthly profit? And that's part of, we'll talk about this later in terms of expansion expenses, looking at office space, what you can afford in a lease, all of that. You also want to know your office utilization rate. What percentage of time are each of your offices being utilized there? If some of you are still virtual. Okay. So this is a little different. So you're going to go more like how many hours in a day can you serve? <laughs> but if you do have brick and mortar still, there's a limit to how many sessions you can fit into your office space. And you need to know what percentage of use you have. Yeah, because that can ex make an extreme impact on your um, on your expenses and then also on your expansion expenses. Yes. If you're only using your offices 30% of like possible daytime hours when people could be seen, and then you do a new office every time that 
it hits 30%, yeah. your expansion expenses are going to be huge. And this is also looking at how much will it really cost? We're not just talking about, oh, it's $1,500 for an office lease to expand. It's how much does it cost to um, outfit those offices to do um, the cleaning services or to do um, pest control or whatever or else you might be doing your utilities. Like there's a lot of expense uh, of expenses that people gloss over and they don't realize like, oh, that lease might be 50% of your ongoing costs yeah. for that new bigger space. And then there's the cost of goods sold. I know this sounds a little odd as therapists, like what's the cost of me sitting and being present? But for some of you, you may have static room rentals by the hour. You may be subletting things out. You may play, pay a fat, a flat fee, my gosh, a flat fee or a really large fee for like a horse and equine therapy, uh, pet therapy. Um, you may have art supplies, play therapists. My gosh, I went to one of your conferences and I was just shocked at the amount of shopping there because you have so many tools and things like that. And there's costs of the good of the offer of what you're providing. Yeah. And if you're doing any psychological tests, sometimes yeah. there's psychological the tests per, per, per each. And then you have sweat equity. Whew. We don't talk about this enough. How many hours are you putting in? How many hours do you have to continue to invest what could you be doing instead with those hours? Could you be seeing clients or is it a good trade for you? And it yeah. gives you great value in your life. But so many group owners are like, yeah, they have nothing left to sweat. They're exhausted. No, <laughs> there's nothing left. And I think that that piece of realizing, even after you put together your systems, you get things in place, you have things running like a well-oiled machine, there's going to be ongoing hours. Um, on a regular basis. So have you really accounted for that and making sure that you're bringing the profit in where that feels really good um, and where you're actually doing things that you like? Yes. Because if you don't, let's just pause for a second. <laughs> if you don't like being a leader, this may not be for you. This is not for you. Like this is, if you don't like helping other people, being of, of uh, inspiration to them, supporting them, like, this is not just a great, well, this is the next step kind of thing. And at the very least, you're going to need to model something out where you have a clinical director or an agency director who really likes being that lead, mm -hmm. lead person. And then there's cash flow. You all should know how much is coming in, how much is going out on a weekly basis. This month number could also be looking at it on a monthly basis, but since a lot of you pay twice a month on your payroll, and that sometimes ends up with a three payroll cycle on those longer months, we do recommend weekly here. Yeah. And I know that can be really overwhelming again. And I, I, we said twice monthly or every other week, if you're doing every other week, you're going to have two months that you're going to have three payrolls. And I have seen group practice owner after group practice owner get into a funky spot. So what numbers <laughs> Are you learning about that maybe you don't know in your group practice that you have not considered before? Like this is kind of new. Maybe you know all of these and you're really solid on them. But if not, we'd love to hear like, what are you, are you having any ahas? Post it in the chat. Just like, oh, all these numbers are new concepts. Okay, <laughs> awesome. Good. I'm glad. We want to be sure that we're just heightening the awareness here of what it's really taking as a group practice. All of them. Awesome. <laughs> this is sweet. And I'd love to know too, if you're like, if you're, if you're an individual, obviously this would be new, but for those of you who are group practice owner, if you're like, Hey, like I'm a group practice owner, have been for a long time. Like, Oh, these are new. It felt like this is it. So we're going to talk about a little success story. Um, we talked about Alex earlier. Mm -hmm. Now, Alex made a bunch of changes to their practice and things were in flow. They moved everyone to W2. 
they move from doing a percentage basis to actually having an hourly rate. They dropped the low pay, lowest paying insurance panels. They were able to get raises from others. They hired help, including a clinical director. They started offering benefits. Everything was feeling good. And now they were taking home $80,000 while putting back, pulling back to a limited caseload. Finally, things were in balance and it felt great. Like, how, how would you feel if you were Alex? Be like, yes, this is it, right? This is, I made it. I've got this figured out. I'm working as few hours as possible. I got my processes put in place. Like, this feels great. And they got so excited and they felt so inspired that they started looking at next steps. They were looking around at the other people and people were like doing these like big things and hitting seven figures and buying buildings. And they're like, I want to buy a building. I've always wanted, I've had this dream of the space. This seems like the right time. And you know, what about expanding coverage for benefits? Like I want to do, I've already, I have benefits, but like, what if I could do more? And they looked at the numbers and they're like, I'm going to take a cut in profit, but you know what? That's okay. Because like I'm investing in this business, like it's okay. It's going to be a little tighter, but it's going to be all right. And then they forgot a really important number when they're running everything. They forgot to run their cash flow numbers. They looked at everything over the entire year, as opposed to looking how things were going to be building and shifting and when things were going to be coming due Mm -hmm. month by month, week by week. And in the midst of buying the building and some unexpected costs (laughs) and then onboarding uh, onboarding multiple new clinicians, which is fantastic. They're like, oh my gosh, everyone's struggling to hire and I found great clinicians. Let me bring them in. But again, remember those onboarding costs, right? And then of course, being a primarily insurance-based practice, things got severely out of balance. Suddenly they had back-to-back months where they were taking a loss. And in fact, one month they got on with their um, bookkeeper, they had a $22,000 loss. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine what that felt like to look at the bottom of the profit and loss statement and see that negative in red $22,000, right? They had run the annual numbers. They hadn't accounted for cash flow. Having big months with new people meant record numbers of sessions, which meant record number payroll. And with a gap in reimbursements, things got scary very quickly. Add to that, that insurance company dropped the reimbursement code for one of their CPT codes for by $20 without warning. Don't get me and the buffer that. was gone overnight, y'all. Right. Whew. Remember what the Harper said about being conservative with numbers. This means looking at cash flow. It's a bigger, um, when you're a solo practice, it can be a little bit more month to month, but I find as a group practice owner, you have to scale up a little bit and have a bigger picture here. Mm -hmm. Um, it can feel uncomfortable to make significant profit from a group practice from a lot of for a lot of group practice owners and many will immediately reinvest it back into their staff. And that's a beautiful sentiment. But if you move too quickly without a buffer, you are going to end up having to backtrack. And that does not feel good either, though. We had lots of people do that in our business school. So, and that's what Alex was considering. They, they started panicking going, maybe I need to lay off people. I'm going to drop hours. I'm going to drop the pay rate. I need to pull back on insurance plans or, you know, in on, on benefits. Right. And this brings us to lesson number three. It's better to go steady and slow and sustain y'all. You have time as a business owner. You don't have to do everything right now. You're not going to miss out. There's no FOMO here, that fear of missing out. 
if you have months of salary and expenses saved up, you can make a lot more, you can, you can be more aggressive. You can take more risks. Have you really projected out your numbers for the rest of the year, including the projected cash flow? Are you tracking your projected and actual cash flow monthly to what, to see how well things are lining up to see whether you like, Oh, what I thought, I thought it would be this. And it was that. And like, how can I make those projections more and more accurate over time? So you want to be looking at your profit margin, what's your annual gross income, annual profit to the owner, right? What is that margin that you have? Mm -hmm. What's that percentage? That's a divider, right? Annual gross income divided Divided by by annual profit to owners. That's going to give you a percentage. Okay. Then the conversion rates. This is really important to pay attention to if you're feeling like you are struggling how many people who call schedule and how many people book and commit after the first session. This is a factor that can really shift your group practice Mm -hmm. immensely. If this number is really low, you're paying more for your person who's doing the phone or you're spending more time on the phone connecting in with that. It means that you are paying more for your marketing, your website, your directories and all of that than you would need to. And you're getting less return on your investment right? This is where time and energy really come in into play. And it can mean maybe you're a lot of things in terms of what your marketing is off or that that phone call is off that the person that's on the phone doesn't know how to have these conversations. Also, a lot of times people, when they're doing their projections and financial dashboards, they are looking at the clinician's caseload size and not taking into consideration how many times a client is seen on average per month. So some of the, we've seen this in group practices where maybe the other clinicians start seeing them every other week and things like that. And so you're like, well, if they have a caseload of five, I'm good or 10 or 15. But the reality is this has a huge impact on the outcome for the clients, but also for your numbers. Yeah. If you think about a clinician, let's say they're doing 15 sessions a week. If they are seeing 15 people on a weekly basis, Think about what that looks for them in terms of emotional load and in terms of clinical outcomes versus if they are seeing 60 people once a month. And we think about the documentation, the phone calls, the reschedules, all the rest of it, it becomes much more complex. It also means in terms of keeping that person full, right? And that we're going to have to have more people calling on a regular basis. And I've really found that the more infrequent the sessions, that also means often the, the, the duration um, of the sessions comes down. And I also think that in frequency of sessions, meaning people aren't seeing people often, often this is where documentation gets super out of yeah. whack. People are so overwhelmed, overworked. Yeah. This is the first place where people go down. Especially if you're an insurance-based um, practice, you need to know undone, late or poorly done documentation leads to denials, clawbacks, and time spent doing appeals. But also, even if you're not an insurance based, um, it all it's a risk. It's Mm -hmm. a serious risk. And if you have contractors working for you, that risk falls on you. Clawbacks fall on you. Lost impact falls on you, not your contractor or employee. Yeah, not either. Even if you have an An employee, employee, like you can't go back and say, well, now you have to give me back this money. This all comes down to you. And then we want to look at what percentage of clients does an employee retain. And we're talking also about 
the mutual termination of these, that people aren't just dropping off. So you may find you have a clinician who has great retention with mutual, great mutual termination and someone who has uh, infrequent sessions, poor retention, and people drop out. These are things to pay attention to. It is costing you more money when these numbers are lower. And I think also it's also going to mean less retention for your employees. They're going to be less happy because they're not having these good clinical outcomes. When you have good clinical outcomes, it will fire up your clinicians. Like it's, they're going to say, I love working here. I, yeah, I do such great work. And when somebody drops out of therapy randomly, how likely are they to refer to your practice versus when somebody comes in and says, oh my gosh, this was an amazing experience. They're going to refer. And again, we go back into this average duration per clinician. Do you know who does better short-term work and who does better long-term work? Are you referring clients who are looking for short-term work to your short-term therapist who does really good work in that way? Or are you, or do you notice that like, Hey, wait, I'm sending people with chronic trauma to this person and some, and they're averaging six sessions. Like what are the odds that this person is getting really good outcomes? That can be a, a piece of data that's in there yeah. about that. Like your practice isn't doing what you thought it was going to do. So all these numbers kind of tell you, okay, what do I need for my call volume? What kind of like stats do I need in order to be profitable and for clinicians to do good work? And if you haven't looked at these and you just said, oh, here's the caseload size, you're missing out on why you're struggling. And these are some of those, those points. So what are you learning about the impact on you, your staff and the clients when it comes to your numbers? Yeah. Like, what are you, are you seeing the connection? Are you seeing how this is taking you more time, taking more energy, stressing you out more, right? Lesson number four, conversion and outcome measures, they impact the bottom line. It all connects, right? So now we're going to hear from Robin Brandon. She's in here actually today. Oh, that's so cool. And we'll see how she makes sense of all these numbers and creates her group practice vision. Hi, I'm Robin Brannan. My practice is Better Together Family Therapy in Kensington, Maryland. And Kelly and Miranda asked me to talk to you a little bit because I have a business that's thriving as a group practice with an employee model in an area where um, most of the practices are actually using an independent contractor model. So we are competing against practices that look at first glance like they're paying a whole lot more than we are, but it's not an apples to apples comparison. So being able to show staff that it's not an apples to apples comparison is definitely an important component of the business model here. But I honestly think the biggest reason the business model is working is that I got serious about the numbers and started making decisions based on the numbers. So I can sometimes make really awesome decisions based on my gut. But what I have learned over time is that when I do that, um, it affects the business bottom line in ways that I don't anticipate. So for me, I did what I think many, many, many of us do. And I tried to go through boot camp without doing this step. <laughs> I tried to skip it. I tried to do a more simplistic version of it for myself. Um, and it just didn't work. So ultimately, what I did was fill out the business plan marketing analysis workbook. And I now make all of my business decisions based on what I see in that workbook. So I'm going to share my screen with you for just a second here and let you see my actual 
business plan marketing analysis. And this is my favorite tab. I live in this tab. This is the group practice wages tab. And this is where I go to make every decision about my practice. So right now I have my current staff across the top here. You can see that I pay them an admin rate. I pay them $25 an hour for admin time across the board. Um, and that people have slightly different hourly pay rates based on whether they're under my supervision or not. So um, the hourly pay rates are down here. The way that I use this to figure out whether I should make a new hire or not, what, what my staffing needs to look like, um, up here, I can add an employee. And when I do that, I can play with these different parameters. I can play with how many clients they're going to see, how many admin hours they're going to work, all kinds of different things. So when I have a clinician that I really love, that I'm really excited about in the interview, and she only wants to see eight clients, I can plug that eight in here. And then I can go down and I can actually add that to my business by putting a little Y right here. I would be hiring them instead of this other person. So I'm going to turn that into an N. And then I go over to my group plan and I can see immediately how that impacts what I have to charge for my client sessions in order to make the money that I want to make at the end of the year. $417 to me is an awful lot to be charging for a client session. So I know that even though I enjoy working with that clinician, I'm excited to meet that clinician, that clinician on my team is not going to help me meet my business goals. So I'm going to go back to my original scenario of what I was trying to hire. And when I go back over to my group plan, oh, we're down to 289. 289 is not 215, which is what I intended to charge. And um, in order to see eight clients and make what I want to make for the year. So what this 289 actually tells me is that I have to go back over here and I need to add one more clinician to the team if I'm going to make it work um, in the way that I want it to work. So as hard as that is, as much as that isn't what I had in mind as the size of the practice, I realized that in order to make the numbers work, that's what I have to be reaching for. That's what I have to be striving for. I need that extra hire. The other place that I really like to use this workbook is to figure out what kinds of benefits I can offer. So part of the reason that my practice is thriving right now is I'm offering my staff student loan assistance. And that's something that they can't get in an independent contractor position. It's something that they can't get a lot of other places. And it's something that's really exciting for my staff in particular. And so when I decided that I was going to add this in order to improve my employee retention in the practice, there's a place right here for me to plug numbers in and play around with it and figure out exactly how much assistance I can afford to provide to my staff um, in order to keep them happy, in order to keep them on staff over time. Um, and so this workbook is just the place where I make all of my business decisions and it helps my practice thrive day to day and it helps me know it helps me be secure in the decisions I'm making. I can even go back to that workbook and I can plug in like a worst case scenario what happens if all of my staff leave midway through the year and see what that actually does to the bottom line, <laughs> see what I would have to raise my fee to in order to compensate or see what happens to my income in that scenario. And then I can plan a little bit better for that scenario. So honestly, my secret weapon is the business plan marketing analysis workbook. I use it all the time, just when an idea pops into my head. What if I did this? What if I paid for annual leave? What if I paid for this or paid for that or helped staff with this? Whenever I have an idea, back to the business plan marketing analysis to see if that idea actually works or what else I need to change in order to make that idea actually work. So 
this is my business model and um, how the business plan marketing analysis works for me. Robin, thank you so much for sharing this. And for those of you asking where this workbook is, it's in our business school. If you are in business school, there is training on line by line, how it all connects. And if you have more questions, you know, you could, um, you can always post and Miranda and I will help you. Yeah. So there is complexity and there's <clears throat> testing and modeling. It's not so direct percentage. I have 10 clients. I pay them 50%. And no, it's, there's a lot more in here that we need to be paying attention. And we have to lean into that and know that you can learn to manage it. It has taken us years to put together that financial modeling with Excel. And it's something that we put together and we add to on a regular basis that we have invested thousands of dollars and thousands of hours into putting that together. So if you're struggling to like figure that out yeah. from scratch, like we get it. Yeah. Right. It's, sure. it's this, and this is not a one-time process. No. Right. Robin goes back to that form with every hire, with every time reviewing, you know, your financials, when you're making financial decisions, you have to go back to it. You cannot avoid these numbers mm -mm. at all. It's a regular process. So we're going to talk about some sample numbers that you could be looking at on a weekly, monthly, quarterly, annual basis right? So weekly numbers, that cash inflow and outflow, maybe this could be every other week. But again, as you're starting, let's just get start to get you comfortable with looking at numbers regularly. Your projections versus your actual, the number of completed sessions, the percentage of documentation up to date. Y'all, if you just assume that your people are taking care of their documentation, they're not. Um, and then the number of no-shows and cancellations, and also the percentage of no-shows and cancellations and do that by staff, because you might find that you have some staff that there's some clinical stuff, there's some clinical numbers in there. And if you can catch that early yes. and have those things, you're going to be more profitable yes. and a lot less stress. And on your monthly, these are just some that we recommend looking at your number of referrals and how many of them converted into clients, what the retention rate is per clinician alongside the percent of mutual terminations versus no shows and dropouts or drop-offs, I don't like saying dropouts. it's not high school, um, the number of completed sessions, outstanding insurance over 60 days. If you have an insurance practice, you know you don't always get paid on time, especially lately. Anybody mm -hmm. else can relate to this? So we need to be tracking what's over 60 days and any insurance reimbursement rate changes. Yeah, and that maybe you even say, you know, for me, that's 45 days because I usually get paid in 30. You can decide that, but again, what is that, what is that? number. And then a sample quarterly numbers, your profit margin per clinician, your profit margin over like your profit overall. Do you know how to read your profit and loss statement? Y'all, we need to stop leaving them sitting in our emails or looking at them once a year during tax time. This is something you should be looking at at least every three months. You should be reviewing your expenses. Are you paying for something you're not using? Yeah. Like did somebody That's sign happened. up for something? That, happens to, that us. happens to us all the time. Software Kelly. trials. Yes, it happens. <laughs> yeah. yeah and then looking at that profit margin percentage and also looking at your tax liability. What are things that have shifted and changed? Has your marginal tax rate changed over yes. time as you're growing and getting more profitable? And then annually, you want to look at your profit overall, not just revenue. Everyone's like, I made a million dollars in group practice. That's nice. But did you make any for yourself? Did you profit at all? Tax percentage overall, you're going to have to update those projections annually. 
You want to be looking at your benefits package, how to make it more robust and still profitable for you, any kind of revenue expenses um, and next year projections. There's a typo. It's, yes. it's hurting my heart. It's okay. <laughs> so share in the chat. What's the impact on your life and your business? If you're committed to these better outcomes, if you were like really diving into these numbers and making a shift um, for your group practice. And this is our lesson number five, make regular dates with your numbers, y'all. Mm. Let's change this. And if you're like, oh, these numbers panic me, let's have some systematic desensitization. Let's retrain your nervous system to learn how to regulate and be in those numbers, Yeah. right? So what numbers are having the most impact on your bottom line? As you've been listening to this, we want you to kind of just take a moment to assess, right? What are the numbers that are impacting your personal ability to pay yourself and your clinicians well? Can you see the numbers that you've been ignoring in your business that are having an impact? What are the numbers you're going to focus on integrating into your plan to ensure that you have a successful, sustainable group practice that pays you and your employees well? I see like the slow reimbursement denials and all that from insurance companies. Then you have to start thinking about, is this the right fit for your practice? Or if you are going to have a group practice with insurance, you need a bigger savings, a bigger kind of hedge um, for what you're dealing with. Someone said like, um, there's not, I saw someone post earlier about like the pay that they've been overpaying people. Um, and they hadn't really considered how a great clinician still may not be profitable. This just said, oh my gosh, you said it just to host in Panables. Isn't this life changing? I'm so energized. Thank oh, you. So thank good. you. All oh. the numbers. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. I'm so stoked. We were, I'm just going to say for a moment, Yeah, you can say we, we've been doing, the, we've been training people and doing this in our, in our business school for a long time, but trying to put something together in 90 minutes for group practice owners. Like there was a little bit of this, of like, we were sweating a little bit about how we could get this bit off more than to we could you, chew. to you all in a way that you could bring something and have something actionable because we know it's a lot, like we get it. Um, and so like the response, I'm just like, I feel like, so like, I knew this is so important and I'm so glad. And I, I'm just, I could cry right now <laughs> seeing the chat. Yeah. Um, because I mean, we believe you can do this. We've yeah. seen people turn around. I've had group practice owners burn it down. They just realized this all doesn't work and they had to restart. We've had other people be able to make micro pivots along the way. Yeah. You can do this. We believe that you can know, um, how the numbers and everything. Yeah. So let's recap. You need a sustainable, scalable model. Everything translates into mon into numbers. That's money and time. Slow and steady is great. Conversion and retention numbers impact your bottom line. And make regular dates with your numbers. We've got that list of what numbers to watch and yeah. when. Definitely, you can go back and watch the recording. Take screenshots, take pictures, do whatever you need to do, right? Then this is just the beginning of your learning. I mean, this is, I mean, you saw Robin's, that's one page of the dashboard. That's just the payroll. That's not everything else, but it's, you see this one thing and you think, wow, that's amazing. But then <laughs> that's what it really takes. It takes so much more. We've been sharing this slide over and over every day. Like this is just the tip of the iceberg, you know, kind of thing. What if you let others help you. There's a lot of shame that people carry yeah. around about this stuff and they're, they don't want to talk about it. And then everyone talks about the wrong numbers. They talk about like, I have 10 cl clinicians. Okay. Yeah. But 
you know, that's not, yeah. That- I, I have 10 clinicians or like, I literally watch somebody like show their simple practice screenshot. Like, look at that. I made $500,000 means nothing. It to means me. nothing. No, that's a vanity number y'all. And what if it was saying I am, if you are struggling, it's okay to need support. It's okay to reach out and drop some of the shame, be a little vulnerable because you're not alone. Yeah. Some of you might be in here being like, oh, Don just said, I need my own support group. Yeah. <laughs> like our group practice owners really do. Um, it's, a, it's a different kind of practice than solo in some ways. It's yeah. different issues. Um, and it's important. Yeah. I see all of y'all. Oh. And it's, and it's powerful what you do. Yeah. Right. It's powerful and it's doable, but we're being, we're, we have models around us that aren't doing it well. We're replicating it and then feeling shame. Like we're doing something wrong. And I know I'm just going to call it out. We never owned group practices. I didn't for a reason because I ran a clinic with 20 clinicians Mm -hmm. and I was like, I'm not doing that. Yeah. However, We have served so many group practices and we know the impact that this makes on our communities. We don't want other clinicians being underpaid or any of that. And we Mm -hmm. don't want group practice owners not being paid and being stressed out because our heart, like, I hope you can feel this from us is that we do better. So you have a better life. This is not this is not about being a martyr at yeah. all. We want you to have some joy. Like yeah. this actually can be really fun. Yes. And it can be something you're super proud of and that your clinicians are proud to be a part of. I think we we have a weird space, right? In a couple of ways. One is that we get into a more profit and loss statements than you guys will ever see, right? We get to see the back end of how a good or a bad, I don't want to say good or bad, but like a well-run versus not a well-run group practice, how it impacts people's lives and their mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sort of like I got to have a conversation. I've had a conversation with a bookkeeper and with an accountant who works with a therapist. And we're talking about what we see that we're all seeing the same things in these profit and loss statements. And so we don't just have, Hey, we, I ran and I, I did, I had one person, yeah. I had one employee, yes, you did. but when you look at like, Oh, Hey, I did this and it worked for me. So you just do the same thing I did. No, we come from a perspective of, we have worked with very different group practices all over the country with very different setups and looked, and we get to be that outside vision going these, this math doesn't add up. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and helping to come up with that. Right. So this is what we're here about. We want to help you grow and scale and have an effort, effortless, profitable practice. And for some of you, like that is group practice. And for some of you, it's not like, if you don't like the leadership aspects, if you hate all the rest of it, you can be really successful and sustainable, sustainable solo. Yeah. Like that's, that's a possibility. It's all okay. And it's right? why we want to talk about if you're needing more support, we have support for you through our business school for therapists for Nine years. It is in our nine year anniversary that this program has been around. Thousands of therapists have gone through it. It's a complete step-by-step formula for creating your practice, whether you're solo group or you want to go beyond beyond the couch. Sometimes this happens. Group practice owners say, you know what? I'm going to scale back to solo and I'm going to do other things and that's okay. So 
And it's, you know, we work with people no matter what stage, you know, people come to us, they're a successful group practice that want to go beyond the couch, or they say, you know, I'm successful to a point, but like, I'm not happy. Like what's going on? Struggling solo, starting from scratch, struggling group practice or successful solo. Like we do all the things, no matter what your goal is. If you're like, I'm making enough money, but I'm not joyful. And I, I, I'm really struggling or whether you're like, I'm in a lot of debt. Like I need to figure this out. I want to launch an online course. I want to pivot, whatever that is. Like, that's what we do. And this program is the only thing that teaches it all together in one spot on how to create that successful life and business as a lifetime access program, because we know that things are going to shift and change for you over time. Um, What you want this year might be different than what you want in two years. And we've literally been working with people lifetime access for nine years, people that that yeah. did our first round of business. I saw school. Natalie in here. She's like, can I repeat? Yes, you can repeat Natalie. You've been in the program for a long time, six years. Yeah. This is something I love about Tiffany. She has multiple locations in a couple cities and it's all about processes. It allows them to do better clinical work. Now that they have their processes, she has her numbers locked down. These are the things we can go to the next. Um, these are the things we cover and so much more. It's on demand. You can jump around as you need to. You can learn on the go with an app. Pretty easy. Yeah, making it easy peasy. And we have group coaching calls where we sit and we spend the time with you going through Q&As and digging into this this process and helping you figure out like, what do I really do? How do I get through the blocks? What does that really look like? We have free scripts and workshops and worksheets and templates for like everything you could imagine. Um, offer letters for employees, um, consultation scripts for your receptionists or for your clinicians, um, everything that you can imagine. We've had thousands of therapists go through this process and we have it all lined out for you. We even give you a website template that works whether you're a solo or group practice owner. Um, We have it kind of pre-built and set up for you so you can just fill it out, fill it in. And then we have access to it So then we can do critiques so we can get into the back end. We can play with it. We can move things around and say, here's how you do it. And you know, the worksheet that Robin showed, (laughs) this is our magic dashboard. It does require Excel, but it's worth it. Let me tell you, Um, this is really, it covers your expenses, retirement. Um, It roughs out some of your tax payments, a rough estimate of those. Um, so this is an amazing worksheet. And I just want to say, like, we, we had asked a couple of people, we said, look, can you just share, like, what are the number of things that have been like the greatest pieces in like two minutes or less? Um, and we asked a couple of people and Robin was one of them. And Robin came back and said, I had to do five minutes and I hope it's okay that I included the business planning oh, worksheet. So like we, I, just for those of you, I just want to be like super um, transparent. Like that was not like a, Hey, can you show this? this? So people are like, how do I do that? Um, I want that too. It was just like, and I really appreciated her being so vulnerable and sharing her numbers with y'all. I like, know. like, can we give a shout out for Robin for like sharing, like really behind the scenes of like what's happening in her practice? Like that's, pretty amazing. And I just appreciate her. Erica's one of our, our business schoolers that came to us who was in a bad business situation, got out of that, had a solo practice, has moved into a group practice, um, and really like building something that meets her needs. It's so important. 
Yeah, it's really powerful. And of course, the Harpers, who you already heard from, um, they are some of our wonderful business. One of the things, this is why I put this in here, is that I think this is really important. Uh, Yolanda said that we taught her how to dream again. Mm -hmm. And I think that what happens for a lot of y'all, and I want to cry, but when you are in that place of being so burnt out, the dreams have like squashed, you know, Mm -hmm. and they've dried up. And we want that to, we want to infuse life back into them because you deserve to dream and not be just trying to survive. And play. Play. And thinking about that, both 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 Erica (laughs) and the Harpers, and these people have become like really great friends, which is amazing. And they go on hikes hikes and trips together. They go paddle boarding. They do, um, they both have become Peloton people um, and they do Peloton with each other. And it's just been such a beautiful thing. And neither of these groups of people had balanced lives or had any play in their life before they went through this process. The cool part is, is that we will critique your work. So for example, when Robin updates that spreadsheet, she'll load it up. Miranda and I will look through it and say, these numbers don't make sense. What about this number? We play with it. That goes for website design, SEO, headshots, landing pages, so much. We review it. If you're a business schooler in here, you know that we will help with the messaging and all of that. Four weeks a year, like it's intense and it's cool and we love it. And of course it's lifetime access year after year to support with all the updates. That Excel spreadsheet started out really (laughs) simply many years ago. And it started out as a solo plan. And then we expanded it into a group plan. Now it has a speaking plan. (laughs) Yes. And a course plan, workshops, all the things. Like it's something that we have expanded and we update it several times a year. Yes. Um, And you can literally go in and see what's happening. Now we have customized track for your unique needs and it's easy to shift tracks as you're going through. But whether someone's starting from scratch, struggling, successful, or group, or somewhere in between, we have the support through the process. And again, it's on demand, step-by-step, click-by-click things, shows you over 95% of what you'll need as a successful solo or group practice owner. And for that other 5%, that's what working sessions are for, for uh, our expert um, advice from us and our coaches. Oh, that's a double. So you could put this all kind of a la carte. And we also, our biggest thing is that what are you losing in wages from being underpaid that cost you in that versus taking action and getting support now. So we offer business school with all of these modules. You can go to the next one. Um, for six payments of 375, you'll get the modules, the coaching intervals, um, four weeks every year, um, customized to your stage of practice. So if you're solo and you want to go in a group, it's there for you. <laughs> this is all step-by-step. Step. We'll go over some of the steps real quick. Yeah, you're going to create your business vision. We're going to customize the client journey. We're going to show you how to stop wasting your time and energy, how to set your take-home pay. How many of you guys set your your fee, but you didn't know how to set your take-home pay? (laughs) We're going to show you how to start with the take-home pay you want and create a model around it that's actually doable. You're going to maximize your online presence, learn how to get found online consistently, and how to grow, maintain, and scale your practice the easy, sustainable way. Everything you need to create a profitable, sustainable business that changes clients' lives. Because it's not just about money for us. It's about, we know this all impacts the clinical bottom line, yeah. right? Create the foundation, processes, the team around it 
to be more profitable with less time and energy with every trick, tweak, and iteration to replicate this in multiple businesses for the rest of your life. This is a skill that you're going to use no matter what happens. We've had people go through business school for their private practice and then go and apply the same principles to their spouse's mechanic workshop or to uh, another brick and mortar. They're like, I learned so much. I now know how to be a business owner. I can go help my friend, my spouse, my partner. It's, it's amazing. Right. So this is where you need to go. If you want to enroll Um, again, uh, you can go to zinnime.com slash enroll. Um, This is what Elisa says. She's learned how to get her practice running smoothly, and she expanded a group practice within six months of joining business school. 95% of the people who are a part say that they would not sign up again, but they would also recommend a friend. And as Miranda says, therapists don't recommend spending money very often. So (laughs) that's important to us. And um, I love this. It's the best investment I've made on myself and my business. I put it even over my PhD, which is just amazing. So will this work for you? Again, I think it just kind of comes down to, do you want to have the time and the energy? And if you're willing to, we are here to support. We will, our success is your success. Um, If you want coaching with us, that's not an option. We do it in business school. That's where we are focused. We set the foundation like that. There's no way we could coach you one-on-one and teach you what's in business school. It costs you about a hundred times more. <laughs> it's not worth it. Even if you went to another like cheap business coach, they, it'd take them at least 30, 40, 50 hours. Now you're spending like somewhere between like five and $10,000. Oh, she's here. Or something that's there. Adriana's here. Oh, <laughs> I love that. Um, and again, we'll, we go into that part, but I feel like we need to get into the Q and a, cause it's, it's 10 after. Yes. But let like, me get down to this okay. slide then. <laughs> Yeah, we have so many burnout, like, oh my goodness, there we've got all kinds of bonuses. Let me like just go over this part though. There's a oh, seven yeah. day money back guarantee. If you sign up and you look at things and you're like, this isn't for me, you have seven days and we'll refund you in full. We have oh, an extra yeah. bonus of four group coaching sessions and they start Monday. So yes. if you want in on that, sign up now. But if you sign oh. up by the end of this webinar, oh, forgot. you get a one hour one-on-one coaching session with one of our coaches. Um, we've never offered this before. Um, so that's pretty amazing. pretty amazing. <laughs> um, so there's your, what you're yes. getting with all of that. And with that, and yeah, you can pay in full, save a little bit of money. Okay. Um, and then you can also use PayPal credit if you want to do that. Okay. Um, okay. So Q and a time, uh, is it possible to start a group practice without first having an individual practice? Yes. Some people do that. However, yeah. it is more cash upfront. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely more of an investment, um, of money. You're going to need to, um, either have uh, money socked away or starting from scratch. And I think there is a certain amount of, um, of really understanding, have you managed people? Do you feel really strong clinically? Do you feel like you can be a clinical leader? Like, what does that look like for you? Um, How do you know if group practice is right for you aside from having a full practice, consistent referrals and having enough money, what might be important to consider before setting a goal of group practice or taking leap into it? I think it really comes down to, um, do you enjoy guiding, leading, and community and teaching and all the humanness that comes with those relationships as well. 
Mm -hmm. um, because you're working with more people and more people mean more human things happen. And sometimes uh, some of us in solo practice, like the sense of the locus of control is here. And when you have group practice, it requires trust for a team to work well. If you look at like, as Simon Sinek talks about this in the Navy SEALs, high trust results in high productivity. Mm -hmm. And so are you a person who wants to facilitate that, who wants to leave a larger impact in that way? There's lots of ways to make an impact in the world. So I think too, if you're someone who says, I really like the caseload that I have, and I don't want to drop it. And I don't want to spend more time group practice isn't a good option, right? Like there's something's got to give in the long um, down the road up front. So you can get to the point, Yes, but it, it's going to take you time. Yes. To get there. It may be like your caseload has to go down until you have the profitability to hire a clinical director. Yes. And then you can go back to see, to kind of that first love, but yeah. you have to, I th- do think you have to enjoy people. Yes, you yeah. do. <laughs> <laughs> um, is it possible to be profitable when taking insurance? Yes, it is. It really depends on your insurance contracts and what your reimbursements are. Mm-hmm. That said, you still need to have a bigger buffer in your savings, especially yeah. for clawbacks. Yeah. I, I mean, I would look at probably 10% of every reimbursement is going straight into the insurance clawback fund of just the like, what if everything goes wonky? And that's in addition to, right, the money that you might be paying for a biller for all these other pieces. And that's also going to give you a buffer if suddenly your contracts, for example, your your reimbursements go down. If you are paying 50, 60, 70% to your clinician, there's no room for buffer whatsoever. And so when the insurance company makes a change and they will, or when they do a clawback and they will, right, then, you know, you're going to have to have some room. And, you know, this is something too, that we teach. We have a whole mini course about insurance, looking at what's happening in your state. If you're in Arkansas, for example, and you're being reimbursed $120 a session. And uh, I actually don't know what the clawback laws are for Arkansas, but let's say it's one year from the time of um, from the time of payment that they have to claw back, right? And everything's flowing. That insurance-based practice could be doable. If you're living in LA and insurance are reimbursing $65 a session, right? That there's a, and you want to give a good cost of living to your people. There's no way you could do an insurance-based group yeah. practice. That's something that would have to be done, honestly, as a nonprofit with grants. Yes. Um, I've decided to start a group practice with 1099 contractors. What else do I need to be thinking about as it relates to opening my group practice? This was posted in advance. So I'm hoping this training will help think of the numbers <laughs> as well. But like, as we said, with the 1099 contractors thing, you have to be very, very careful. Please consult with not just one attorney, but several so that you can get. And, and, and consult with employment attorneys. Please. Um, don't just ask and say, oh, well, the person down the street's been doing 1099 for years and it works. So for example, um, one of our clients, they said, well, I talked with an employment attorney. I'm in Texas. Everything's different in Texas. So I pulled up um, a list from the Texas government that said difference between employees and contractors. They looked over the list and they went, oh, they took the list to the employment contractor that said, oh, it's fine for you to do 1099. They said, no, you need to to move them to W-2 because you've been treating them as employees, right? If you, like at this point, if you hire someone as a contractor and they are doing terrible work with a a client, 
doing things that are unethical. You basically just have to end their contract. You can do nothing, you know, like there's so many limitations. It, it doesn't feel good. And it's going to be connected to your reputation as a clinician. If you hire someone who's not doing good work. Yeah. Um, Natalie, I'm so glad you're in business school. Any advice going from solo practice to starting a virtual group practice in California? Yes, we have several. Yes, that was, I actually, so, uh, one of our business schoolers, I had to work so hard to get them (laughs) to, uh, to do a virtual group practice and it has absolutely beautifully flourished. Um, they were so afraid that being virtual wouldn't attract people. It wouldn't retain people. And it absolutely has retracted people. It has retained people. They have been able to um, grow in just amazing, beautiful ways. But the, the again, going back to it, it's the financial modeling. And you have access to that in business school. So that financial modeling, looking at the numbers, being conservative to start, creating a pay scale that you can move up over time, starting out with your benefits in mind. I think that ability, again, as we have more tech companies that are coming in and really illegally hiring a lot of contractors um, as therapists, the way that you can really set up is ultimately, right, that you're able to, um, to provide benefits, health benefits. So let's set that up from the very beginning. So we'll work on that in the next working session, right? (laughs) Yes, I hope to see you there. Okay. Um, I had a graduate student reach out to me asking me to hire her. She needs supervision hours before licensing. I'm in private practice. Would it be an option to not hire her, but to have her sublet my office, office for supervision, give her my referral overflow and take a cut of the fee of her sessions? I have no idea if this would work or if it's ethical. It's also about like labor law, right? We want to do right by people. Would you want to be in that working scenario? So honestly, every state varies. So mm-hmm. like, for example, in California, you can, she cannot own her own business. Mm-hmm. She has to be an employee in a private practice with a W-2 with a W-2 and that supervisor has to be on site with her. And it's a little, you know, virtual is a little different, but students, um, you know, you want to be able to control their work, like when they work, you want to talk about cases with them. That's an employee relationship. Um, and so there's lots of people who will want to work for you, yeah. but you got to make sure that aligns with what's right and reduces the risk for you too. And also it is a group practice. Like Tabby has an amazing group practice. I did a live with her yesterday. She's uh group practices in North Carolina. And we kept talking about group practice. And she said, I don't want a group practice. I don't want a group practice. I was like, you have a supervisee. You already have a group practice. Yeah. And I don't, and she was like, you're right. I really do. And it's just a question of whether you're being intentional about it to say, oh, I just supervise people. And I take um, a cut of their fee. That's like saying it's a referral fee. Then that gets you into that referral thing. And that's, that that's, can be problematic be on a lot of ethical codes. So you need to really think about, do I want to hire them and invest in them or no? Like, do I really want this? Like, yeah. don't be, do y'all do not be an accidental group practice owner. <laughs> like, I don't know that I have ever, like, sometimes it can happen where it just flows, but most people accidental group practice owners, not good, not right. going to have happen. Okay. Right? Um, as a group practice owner, Oh, we already answered this, but is it better to have employees or independent contractors? You know our stance. How do you separate admin workers and the therapist when it comes to payment and salary? 
Yeah. So what I do, well, so we'll talk about admin hours. I, I will just say that. So sometimes there's admin hours and then there's clinical hours. And the idea um, when I think about that is that the clinical hour includes them doing their notes timely during the session. Yes. And this is almost like a little bit of like a, um, of a carrot of you're getting paid a lot more if you take care of your, your documentation in session. If you wait and you don't do that, then you're getting paid at a lower rate. Right. So we're kind of encouraging people in that way. And then again, for your admin workers, the receptionist, client care coordinator, the other pieces, you're going to create a budget that makes sense for you. That might be based on the hourly or the amount of hours you can work with them, what have you. Or salary. It, it, salary. Can, it, it could varies. be salary. Yeah. yeah. Zach, this is a great question. How long should someone wait to expand from solo to group? It's part of my goals, but I just started six months ago. I really mm -hmm. take it seriously when we hire people. I want to yeah. be sure that I can pay them and that I can give them work because there's nothing worse than hiring and not being able to give a person a caseload. It's bad on retention. It doesn't feel good for them. It doesn't feel good for you. So what you want to be really looking at is some of your own numbers of how many calls are you getting? How many of those calls could you potentially convert mm -hmm. to another clinician? And it's going to be lower than what you convert to yourself because people right now are seeking you. And when you mm -hmm. add someone else, they don't have as much trust with that person mm -hmm. in the beginning until you shift your marketing. Yeah. So you want to be looking at that call volume and having consistency for, I like six months yeah. at least. That you're, that you are full, you're full, full for six months where you're shutting down your website full, where you, you know, we show people how to do this, how to create a newsletter system where when they're full, people get on the newsletter. And if you can, for example, when that new, when you have an opening, send a message out to that newsletter and people schedule consultations, that would be a sign, right? That like you are on the right track with your marketing, that you are creating something that people really connect in with of like, I really want to work with this practice. And it'll take time to be able to convert that to that happening again for the other employees. But if you can do that, I think that's, that's, that's a definite sign that that's rooms, but yeah, six months of being full. So there's not a thing of like, you're just a full a at a caseload that would allow you to still administrate your group practice, hire, train and onboard. So be sure that your caseload is the right number for you with the right fee so that you're very profitable, that you can put aside money and save for the expenses of hiring. Do you want to, yeah, Cirrus, do you want to, um, you're Talk. raising your hand. Do you want to ask your question or are you just saying like, yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> do, do, do. Okay. We'll see that. Go ahead and go to the next one and we'll see. In California, it's illegal for group practice owners to hire clinicians at 1099. So why do they continue doing it? Well, <laughs> because sometimes it's when we take on the responsibility of being an employer, we take on the responsibility of staying on top of the laws. For example, there's some laws changing around 401ks and the size of your business and having to offer those to employees that'll take effect in the summer. You have to be responsible for that. A lot of people don't. And a lot of people, um, you know, they're going with what's affordable for them there. And what's affordable for them is at the cost of that person who it, they're working under, they're really be treated as an employee and it's not fair to them. 
um, that they're not. But I think, I think what's going to happen eventually is that they're going to get um, um, audited. Um, and it's happened. And it's happened. And, it, and we haven't seen an audit happen lately just because I think because of COVID. But the state is going to want that money because they lose out on the money. And what happens is the, the 1099 people have already gotten their income. It's going to be the group practice owners are going to get kind of stuck. Now, there are some people in California who are kind of going in this weird, like a roundabout way where they're like, no, they're not a 1099. We're a professional service corporation. Yes. And so they're just paying us for professional services. That's something different. Um, <clears throat> and I think they're, we'll see how that works long-term. No one's challenged um, it yet. No one's challenged it, but I think at some point that's probably going to happen, especially when they're advertising, hey, guess what? You can be an employee or you can do this and here's what this looks like. Um, you know, there's only, those things work and they're, they're taking a risk. And you have to decide, are you someone who wants to take the risk? There are some things that I will take the risk on and there are other things that I won't. Um, and honestly, the idea of like having employees who I love to work with and that are actually like, we're like, that's that relationship. I like the relationship. I have no issue with that relationship. And, you know, we create enough buffer inside of our um inside of our practice and inside of our business where we know that like it's doable. Yeah. We figure it out. This is a great question. Um, Blair asked, will you talk about the transition from percentage split to hourly rate? And we, yeah. we've also worked with a lot of group practice owners that move from contractor to employee. And yeah. I saw a few people questioning about like, how do I make this transition when I have a group practice? Yeah. I think the biggest thing is we have to do those projections first and understand what that number is. And then you can come in and say, hey, I'm going to be really honest. I didn't know what I was doing when I started this. Yeah. I had no idea. And what I realized is that the model that I've been using like truly isn't sustainable. Um, I've actually taken a cut in pay <laughs> since I've been doing this. I'm working three times as much. I didn't fully understand um, what this would look like in terms of how much I'd be investing time and money in terms of the billing. Um, and I also don't like this idea where you're waiting sometimes six weeks or eight weeks or what have you in order to get reimbursed for your services you provide. And so I am creating something where I want to make sure that when you do services that like you're getting paid, you're not waiting for six or eight weeks that like that, that's insane to me. Um, and so that's what we're going to be doing. You're going to start getting paid on an hourly basis, whether we insurance reimburses or not. Um, I'm going to take on that risk. It's going to be at a set rate. So you can know and plan and your income isn't going up and down just based on whatever weirdness is happening with insurance. I'm going to really step into myself as a leader and take care of those things so that, you know, you're getting a regular paycheck that's based on the hours you work, not based on how quickly or slowly well, insurance reimbursed. I also want to say this, and we didn't talk about this in the training, but often there's an inequity when you do percentage. Mm. So imagine that I am a, a, a woman of color who works with women of color clients and I, I end up sliding more. So then because I slide more and I only get a percentage of the fee, I get penalized versus somebody else 
um, who doesn't slide, they get more money, but we're providing the same amount of work. So I really want you to consider percentage base is inequitable amongst your staff. Look at the percentages, who's making more, but seeing the same amount of clients as somebody else who might not have the awareness to say no to a slide that, you know, you've, you, I have seen group practice owners hire someone to serve the lower cost mm -hmm. fees, but then they do a percentage split. And that is a disservice to the clinician. And it's unfair and unequitable when their other peers are in the same clinic, seeing the same amount of people, they get less money because they work with an underserved population. Mm -hmm. And they're usually a member of that underserved population, right? They're a member of the marginalized community. And so you're literally hiring them to be underpaid. Yeah. It does not feel good. Um, Okay, we need to do our giveaway. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yes, yes, yes. All right, Jenny. I am actually doing it today. Oh, yes. yeah. so excited. <laughs> so the winner of our Etsy gift card is Angela Sitka. Yay, Angela. Congratulations, Angela. Yeah. And then the winner of business school entry is Michaela Voick, if I'm saying that right. Hey, Congratulations. Welcome. welcome to business school, Michaela. We're so excited for you. That's great. So what are y'all thinking? What is your takeaway today? What was like the most important thing that you heard today? I want to see it in the chat. There are 106 of you in here. I kind of want to hear it from 106 of you. <laughs> You've been hanging out for at least 87 minutes. Um, I want more than all of it. Let's be specific, Sarah. Like I really, truly, um, this is our first time doing this training in this way. And I'm just going to say like, I want to, I want to know this is like, new for us. What do. is the what really worked for you? What was your, like the biggest piece? Like what has shifted from you being here? Um, I'm going to just ask that from like a selfish point of view, um, because I, I, I'm going to tell you guys, I literally had tears over this training and I was like up waking up in the night over this training, knowing that like, it was a good, like knowing like this is exactly because we train this in business school, but it like, it's something that we train over like multiple lessons, like way over like, um, you know, 40 minutes or 90 minutes or whatever. Okay. So let's Aww. see what this is. Um, make a date with my numbers and shift your thinking. I'd love to make a ship in the type of practice I'm running. Learn that I need to do business school. Yes, Haley. Mm. Oh, be not afraid of the numbers. I have lots of work to do. I'm researching W2 versus 1099 right now. Awesome. Think ahead. What type of, pra of practice I want to go with when accepting an offer? I have two interviews for private practice coming up. Awesome. We're a percentage split group practice. You're sharing about going to hourly pay and making pay even more equitable is really eye-opening and it's something I'm going to explore. Good. My dream is actually doable. Awesome. Osiris. Um, maybe I'm good on the solo venture and I'll wait for group practice. Awesome. Sarah, Amy, I have a lot more homework to do, but I'm excited. Adriana, I thought that paying by percentage was my only option. Thanks for showing us another way. 
Tiffany, I'll take my time and make a move to group practice when it makes sense financially and fitting in my overall professional goals. Awesome. Amanda, I'm not ready to think about group practice. I've decided to move beyond the couch instead. Awesome. Victoria, befriend the numbers and also see numbers in terms of time will enhance my relationship with money. Oh my gosh, Jennifer, I need to set aside dedicated time to go deep into the numbers to figure out what the heck I'm doing to feel better about being a business owner. Money is my friend. Oh my gosh. There's so many of these like, oh, thank you all for being here. I know we didn't get to everyone's questions. Tomorrow we'll be talking about insurance companies and what to do with all of that hoopla. But for now, thank you for your vulnerability, for showing up, for just being honest and willing to learn something and take away. Because when you change something, it has a ripple effect. You're impacting your clinicians, their clients, and we're setting a new precedent for how to do group practice here. And I'm just really grateful for that. Yeah. And whether you're in solo or group practice, I'm telling you, I'm going to say it without shame. We will change your life. If you come to business school with us, if you imagine how you just shifted and changed in 90 minutes, can you imagine spending a year with us or years with us? (laughs) It it will change every area of your life and your business. Um, It will change you clinically. Um, It will give you access to an amazing support network of just fantastic clinicians from all across the United States and the world in Canada and Mexico and Australia and Ireland and wherever you go, you will have a business schooler that wants to connect with you. You don't have to do this alone. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. Mm -hmm. You don't have to continue to be underpaid. And honestly, for some of you, you don't even need to expand into a group or go beyond the couch to make more income. We'll show you how to do that. Um, uh, most people who come into business school realize that they have been undercharging for their services for a long time. And that may be your very first step and having the confidence to understand and look at the big picture and ensure that you're planning for vacation and sick time, that you are putting money away from your retirement, that you're making sure you're financially taken care of. Like, you deserve to be taken care of. And when you are in solo business, you're the only person taking care of you. You know, even in that agency, which I know like burnt you to the ground, there was usually like some little bit of buffer. There was something when you're a business owner, if you don't understand that, like it's only you. And you think about how many numbers you didn't understand in the group practice there's just as many that you're probably missing in your own preparation for your solo practice, yeah. for your own financial. We have Mary Beth Storjahan. She's a certified financial planner. She comes in and shows you how to manage your money, not just professionally, but personally, how to really understand these, these methods. It's, it's a big deal what you're doing. And it's so impactful to, cl- to clients and it's so impactful to our economy. Like, what we do in business school, it is the biggest return on investment that you'll get of any certification or course that you ever took in graduate school. This should have been a course. (laughs) This should have been a course in graduate school. And honestly, for most of you, you would have paid more for it as a grad school course. Yes. (laughs) And we're going to give you CEs and you're going to get coverage for it. I really hope for those of you who are in this place, if you are in business or want to be in business for yourself, I honestly like join us. I know that that sounds like what have you, and this is not just 
our, our training is not just about pitching people, but I saw the chat and I saw how many of you are underpaid. And I saw how many of you, this was really new information for. And I know that this is just, again, the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. And that's why business school is such a comprehensive program. Um, it's all the ways that we have watched for, you know, between the two of us over 25 years, right? I've been consulting with therapists since 2005. You know, we've been together since 2010. Um, <laughs> as business partners, to be clear, she's married. Sometimes people get confused. With that. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with that, but you know, like it's, it's a big deal. So yeah, um, you are welcome. You're here seven day money back guarantee. I hope to hope to see, see you, you in business school. Bye.